Good morning, church. My name is Martin, and I'm part of the Young Adults uh, Community Group here, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, we continue worship during our Advent series by studying Jesus as the image of God. Jesus was both fully human and fully God. The only way his perfect sacrifice can be the answer to turn away God's wrath, sin, and reveal God's love for you and me. Our Heavenly Father opens his hands and hearts reveals love through his Son, the Word of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in him, created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or, or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that is in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas to you, Callan. Thanks for leading us. You and Martin look good in your flannel, looking pretty fly in flannel. I'm feeling left out, I'll be honest. It's because um, this is not a bow tie, Callan. All right. Um, <laughs> I do like bow ties, though. Uh, we are going to celebrate Advent through looking at Colossians. I want to do so from going through the doorway of personal relationships. Um, uh, you're just going to have to deal with this. Uh, you've got a guy up in front of you who's in process. Uh, Jesus continues to work on me. Uh, and we're going to uh, talk about Christmas uh, through looking at Colossians. And we're going to incorporate uh, a proverb, Proverbs 15.1a. Uh, but before we do, let's just acknowledge the general context of Christmas. You know, Christmas, we celebrate when Jesus came in a culture of conflict, right? Uh, today, we can agree. We have a culture of conflict. Uh, the King Herod was not excited when baby King Jesus was born. Uh, the Emperor Caesar was threatened by the ruler of rulers who came. And likewise, uh, there is a conflict of cultural authorities in power today. In fact, the conflict uh, that is in our culture, politically, economically, otherwise, it, is, it bleeds into families. Uh, there's not a family in this room that isn't without conflict. Uh, it, personally, uh, probably most people in this room have some sort of personal conflict, if not with someone else, uh, with yourself. You have a conflict. Uh, and vocationally, many people uh, through work and uh, other areas uh, uh, of your vocation, uh, not just uh, what you do nine to five, but what Christ has called you to vocationally to serve him, there is conflict. Well, God gives wisdom, wisdom in his word, in Proverbs 15, 1a, it says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle word turns away wrath. And in a culture, both when Christ originally came and where we live now, where conflict seems to be contagious, there is a path of peace that the Lord provides through a gentle answer. And you might hear that brief intro and you say, man, I can't wait to send this podcast to my mother-in-law. 
Or you might be sitting there going, man, I sure hope my husband or my spouse is going to be listening to this, talking about a gentle word. Here's what I'm going to say. If you're here and you're worshiping Jesus this morning, then his word by his spirit wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal the power of Christmas to you. You know, see, look, Christmas is all about gentleness, God himself coming in humility, coming in the midst of conflict, not to win, but to lose so that you can win all who believe. And this is a time where, where we're invited by God's grace to, to, to be vulnerable, to come open-handed, not looking to fight and win, open-armed, in vulnerability and open-hearted to receive what God has for us through the person and work of, of Jesus Christ. A gentle word, humility with flesh, is displayed in caring about someone or something more than winning. That a person and actually addressing a problem is more important than coming out on top. And the problem that Jesus Christ came to deal with, the word made flesh, God's answer to our sin problem, is that in and of itself, the wrath of God against sin. And he is the gentle answer that turns away wrath. For all who believe, this baby was born into a broken world to be buried and to give blessing. He was born in an animal stall to give salvation from the wrath of God and the curse. He lived to die so that all who trust him can have abundant life. And the only way that he could truly accomplish this is if he was fully human and fully God. He is the image of God, the exact imprint of his nature, a perfect picture. And the question I want you to wrestle with today is whether or not you will receive the wisdom of God, the gentle word that turns away wrath for the solution, the answer for you and your relationship vertically and your relationships horizontally. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we love your word. As we worship you this morning, we submit ourselves under the authority of your word, your scriptures, and we ask for your spirit. Lord Jesus, son of David, we want to know you more fully. We want to be more fully human. We want to know what it means to truly be forgiven and to live securely in your love as your children. Lord, we thank you for your grace and pray for your mercy as we study your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. So here's the reality with conflict. There's always an issue behind the issue, right? Uh, let's put it physically first. Have you ever walked through a room, maybe a crowded space, or you accidentally bumped into somebody and you just kind of brushed their arm and they way overreacted? Man, what are you doing? Watch where you're going. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, dude, chill out. Like, mm, not fully cooked your oatmeal this morning or something? Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to react that way. I just had, just really have a hurt arm and you just lightly brushed me and it hurt really bad. The issue behind the issue was a previous 
injury, right? Or, or relationally. Have you ever come up with somebody and had someone come up on you in conflict? Our Sunday school class, we have lots of great Sunday school classes. If you're looking to grow in your discipleship, please engage one. The one I was in, we went, we call it deep end. We go deeper into the deep end of, of the sermon passage. And someone told a great story uh, from their work about uh, a person that came at them just with all kind of rage. And how the, the gentle word and response to this person actually led the guy to melt down and apologize. Because he was wrestling as a, as a veteran and dealing with some trauma and some issues. And he was taking it out on him. He was sorry. And it was an opportunity for restoration. It's the issue behind the issue. This is true emotionally. It's true relationally. It's true mentally and physically, but it's also true spiritually. Now we look at our culture and, and many people lament the brokenness of our culture, how so many things seem disordered, uh, how there's loss of a standard of truth and our temptation is just to, just to condemn culture and be like, oh my gosh, culture these days, it's awful. When can we have the good old days come back? Back when there was no sin in the world, right? And we actually fall into this temptation of cultural arrogance, believing that one period of time in culture or one period of time in culture in a particular place in the world is actually better than all the rest. And we lament not having the good old days. But culturally, there's an issue behind the issue. It's the sin that runs in my heart, your heart, through the human heart, every person, every facet of life. It's the idolatry uh, that comes, the rebellion that is in our hearts. And it's manifest really in relationships, uh, personal conflict with yourself and with others. We deal with our pain points in ways that are rebellious against God's design. You feel insecure, so you serve the idol of performance that if you can just have a high enough status or enough stuff, then you will be significant. That's idolatry. And we look to things of this culture to find what only God is designed to give us. Only security can be found in his love. The significance we long for comes when we truly open our hearts to receive. As an example, we, tr we protect our pain points. And, and sometimes... That comes out in, in trying to control things or, or anger or isolating ourselves, or withdrawing to protect ourselves or yelling to try to come up over top. These are all reflections of our heart when we look to things for what only God can give us, things that are not God. The conflict spiritually is, is representative of the cosmic conflict that comes, uh, what Jesus comes into in the story of redemption. Every person knows there's a problem in this world. If you go up to anybody, ask them, just do, try this this week. Go up to somebody this week and just say, hey, what's the problem? And they'll be like, what do you mean what's the problem? Just say, what's the problem with the world? And you will not find anybody that doesn't say, well, there's no problem with the world. <laughs> Everybody is going to say, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. When we lived in Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, there was different various uh, communities over there. One of them was a Hindu community. 
Um, and I got close with this guy, and, I, and we we're talking about the gospel and why we need a Savior. And I said, hey, what do you think the problem with the world is? And this guy said, the problem with the world is that we eat red meat. And I said, really? I don't. So if we stop eating red meat, then we're going to lose all of our conflict. And now uh, we have some people who sell meat in here. They're going to start throwing things at me, right? <laughs> Unless I say it. Okay, look, uh, red meat's not the problem. <laughs> but all of us are looking to identify what's the problem in this world. And the gospel follow-up to that conversation is to ask somebody when they identify the problem, say, well, what's the solution? The problem, biblically speaking, is rebellion against God. It's rejection of him and his word, him in relationship. It's sin that has entered into the world that has infected my heart and your heart and disordered all of God's design and separated us from our loving creator. That's the real problem. And if we don't know the real problem, then we're going to misunderstand what Christmas is all about and never understand what true reconciliation can look like. Albert Einstein was once at, said this. He said, if I were given one hour to save the planet, I would spend 59 minutes defining the problem and one minute resolving it. That's to make sure he got it right so he can really solve the problem, the world, save the world. How much more? Let me save you some time. The problem with the world is the sin problem in separation from God and rejection from his world. That's why there's a root to conflict. And Jesus Christ came in the midst of conflict, the issue behind the issue, to be the gentle word that turns away the wrath of God. And when we misunderstand reality, we misinterpret things because we misdiagnose the problem, then we will never fully comprehend the power of Christmas. And here's the truth. We'll never get to the cross. Because we celebrate Christmas, but if we misunderstand the root problem, we're not going to get to the climax of the story. It's exactly where we end in this passage. We read, and through him, that is Jesus, he is reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul portrays the description of Jesus as the image of God, the exact picture, the icon of his nature. When you look at Jesus, you see God because Jesus was God. And though he had authority over everything as creator, by him everything was made, for him everything was made. He's over every authority, every power, every dominion. He's king of kings and lord of lords. This guy who could have come and kicked Heine chose to come and be humble, to be obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we'll never get from the cradle to the cross unless we fully understand the problem. And here's what that means for you personally. If you don't understand the cross of Jesus Christ, you will continue to be captured by your sin, a slave to your idolatry, never having the courage to be self-aware enough and really look at the issues of your own heart and to have compassion and love for yourself and for others. Only when the cross grabs us. This is the conflict, the issue behind the issue. But Jesus, he's the answer. A gentle word. 
and his work. Now, physically speaking, if you go to a doctor and he doesn't diagnose the root of your problem and he cares more about you liking him than telling you the truth, <laughs> you know, I have all the symptoms of this disease, but I don't want to tell you you have that disease because I want you to like me. I don't want you to tell me, you know, I don't want you to tell, I don't want to tell you bad news. I want you to like me. If he sends you off, that's not a good doctor. That doctor does not really care about you. If you go to a counselor, and we need good counselors, but if you go to a counselor that wants to keep you as their patient so that they can ensure that they have a client for the next 10 years, 15 years, that's not a counselor that's working you towards mental health and sustainability. They're using you for a paycheck. That doesn't mean... I see counsel, I've seen a counselor. I see a counselor. I've taken medication. That's all important. The point is that you've got to have somebody that cares enough to tell you what you need to work on and grow in because if you don't have that person telling you hard truths to deal with the root issue, then you're never going to get to wholeness physically or mentally or emotionally. The same is true relationally. If you're in a relationship, if I do something to hurt you and you don't tell me about it, if I do something that bothers you and you don't tell me about it, here's what that communicates. It communicates that you don't care about me enough to take the time to sit with me and help me see what I need to see. If you are in a relationship with someone and you constantly overlook something that they're hurting themselves or hurting others with and you will not address it, you are enabling someone to harm themselves and harm others, and you're not demonstrating a love that cares enough to tell the truth. Does that make sense? I'm not sitting here if I didn't have people love me enough to sit me down and say, Mitchell, you are destroying yourself. After I became a Christian, when I was still struggling with substances, I had people love me enough to stand in between me and my addiction and say, we're taking you to get help. That is truth in love. But if we're not willing to tell people the truth in love, then we probably aren't loving them. I ask you to tell me what I need to hear so that I can grow and to be more of who God made me to be. That's relationship with accountability. But spiritually speaking, if we don't look at Christmas and see Jesus coming in the context of conflict, being born so that he could be buried, coming to die on a cross to bear our sins, we'll never understand the true blessing that he offers. Here's the truth. God himself had courage to enter conflict, a cosmic conflict, to give you peace. God loved you enough not to come to conquer you and condemn you, but to take your condemnation and to be conquered to the point of death so that you can be forgiven and have abundant life. That is love, my friends. Love that is combined with justice. Love that is mingled with mercy. That is astounding love. 
When someone who has the right to come and condemn and conquer a rebellious people so that he could claim his authority came as a servant to suffer and die and his atoning sacrifice is only appropriate and applicable if Jesus was fully God and fully man. He's fully human and fully God. 100% of each. You know, this is why we do the Apostles' Creed every week in our worship service. And sometimes we do like that marathon creed, the Nicene Creed, just to make sure that your cardio's up. I mean, it is like (laughs) half of our service, right? Those folks started writing a creed and they just kept on going. We give you the cliff notes, the Apostles' Creed. Because people have been wrestling with Jesus' divinity and humanity since, since the New Testament. And that's why we've had different councils. Look, I'm going to run through a few. Jesus is not subordinate to the Father. He is God, along with the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, did not, did possess, he did possess full humanity and full divinity. Jesus was fully God and fully human, one person, with two natures, and Jesus possessed both human and divine natures as one person. That's what the Council of Nicaea and Chaldean in 421, Nicaea was 325, they united the church in rightly understanding God's word that clearly teaches this, Colossians 1.15, the visible expression of the invisible God, Colossians 1.20. Here's what it says, uh, of 119, for in Christ the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Hebrews 1 3. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Ident- that means he's identical in substance and he has all the attributes and all the abilities of God. John 1 1 to 3. The word that created the world is God. John 10 30 through 33. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus says that. Philippians 2, Paul describes Jesus as God, morphe theu, of the form of God, before he came morphe dulu, form of a servant. 2 Corinthians 4, Jesus is the image of God. Romans 9, 5, Jesus Christ is God over all. John 14, 9, Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This God, fully God, according to word, the word of God, came in humility as fully human. He was, he is eternal, John 17, but he also was begotten in time, Galatians 4. Jesus is omnipotent, omnipowerful, But he was also limited, hungry, lonely, tired. Hungry, only, I bet Jesus even got hangry sometimes. (laughs) Jesus is omniscient, but yet he had to grow in wisdom and stature. Jesus came as God to enter into this cosmic conflict by becoming fully human. He left the throne room of heaven to take the form of a servant. He became obedient to death death on a cross, this downward trajectory of Christ's love for you will deepen your intimacy with him 
if you open your heart, listen to this, God was conceived. He was born into a poor family. God spent the first couple of years of his life as a human as a refugee in Egypt. And then he grew up humbly in Nazareth. Jesus was poor. He was born in a borrowed food trough. When he taught, he did so off of other people's money and in from borrowed boats. When he did miracles like feeding the 5,000, he borrowed a boy's lunch. When he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he did so on a borrowed donkey. He washed his disciples' feet in a borrowed room with a borrowed towel, and then he died and was buried in a borrowed grave. Jesus entered into poverty, get this, so that you would become rich in grace, rich in love, rich in mercy. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Jesus got hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and weary. He was baptized, tempted, opposed, threatened, persecuted. He was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was fully human, and Jesus fully obeyed the Father, entering into conflict as a loser to die so that we can win. That's the power of the gospel. He was ordered to suffer for our sins. It was God's will, Isaiah 53.10. It was God's will to crush Jesus so that you could be built up. He was beaten so that you can be healed. He was falsely tried and experienced injustice so he could satisfy the justice of our sin and make you righteous and show you grace. He was crucified, beat, buried, died. He was born to bear our sin so that you can receive forgiveness. Jesus entered into cosmic conflict, the issue behind the issue, to give you abundant life. That's the scope of this passage. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell so that through him, he would reconcile to himself all things making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus didn't avoid conflict. Jesus didn't use his power and authority to destroy conflict. Jesus ran to conflict so that he could demonstrate the gentleness of God and be the answer to the sin problem so that the wrath of God would turn away this is a gift. And the last thing I want you to see is that you can open your hands and open your heart to receive this gift physically. If you're sick and the doctors give you orders to find health, follow them. Take the prescribed medicine. See the counselor. Change your diet. Get more exercise. Receive the prescription. That's how you receive the gift. Relationally. If you're in relational conflict, when you experience the, the gentle love of the Lord, the, the loss that Jesus experienced in conflict because he cares more about you as a person 
than he does winning. He cares about a relationship with you more than coming in exaltation the first time. He cares about that. And when we receive that grace, then, then relationally, we can work harder to listen than to be heard. We don't have to care about winning an argument and defeating a person, but we can come with gentleness and give a gentle answer that will help get to the issue behind the issue. That gentle answer turns away wrath and relationship. God is gentle. And his gentle answer of the work of Jesus Christ shows his heart. And spiritually, you know, physically, I can't make you follow doctor's orders. I encourage you to do so. Physical health, mental health, emotional health. Relationally, we want to empower you to have fruitful and full relationships any way we can. And to help you deal with the issue behind the issue and to kill your pride and to cultivate gentleness. But I can't make you reconcile. Spiritually speaking, we want you to receive the gentle answer of Jesus Christ so that you fully understand the gift of Christmas. And you can only do that by faith. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, he says that the Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. In Christ Jesus, the gift that we have is sonship, daughtership, to be children of God. The Bible teaches that God's love for you is so great that while you were still God's enemy, Christ died for you. That's how he demonstrates his love. Jesus was separated from the Father on the cross, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that all who believe can be received as children. Here's at least one thing this means. In Christ Jesus, God is not angry with you anymore. Sin has been paid for. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of God, that the gentle answer that turns away the wrath of God, and he gives you his righteousness so that the Father looks at you and he loves you? That the Father looks at you and he doesn't wag his head in disappointment and say, you really need to get your act together. You really need to try harder in this area. You really need to stop doing this in this area. That your heavenly Father looks at you and he loves you. He likes you. He's proud of you. Zephaniah describes the heart of God, the prophet, in chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, as a father who sings and rejoices over his children. A gentle answer has turned away the wrath of God, and his children can celebrate the security of the love of God. That at least means this personally, that if you can be secure in God's love, the, cult, the conflict that we have in our heart and that is around us, that, that just as the enemies of God are disarmed by the cross, so we can have courage. Courage to face the idols of our heart. Courage to face the strongholds. Courage to truly identify that which is keeping us from the Lord and fueling our pride and self-sufficiency. And then we can begin to have compassion. The cross of Christ empowers you through secure 
security in the love of Christ. So listen to this. To help you deal with the issue behind the issue. Your loneliness that you deal with in unhealthy and unhelpful ways. Your insecurities that you try to compensate for and to cover up through different fleshy ways and public ways. Your inability to say no because you're so concerned about being accepted and performing. The discouragement you feel in your heart from your circumstances. The lack of self-worth that you feel. The intense desire that you have to feel welcome and wanted. The cross of Christ gives us security in God's love deep enough so that we can have courage to deal with those and to not be a slave to our harmful and hurtful habits, our worst ways of our sin. This is all a part of, of God's sanctification plan in our life. That's the gift that comes at Christmas because the cosmic story of the sin struggle in this world, it's of a first Adam that rebelled against God and his design by eating of the fruit, and God responding to that sin by coming as the second Adam. And he died so that we could live and be restored. This is what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 10, that our redemption leads to a restoration of our image-bearing. That when we find our security in the cross and the work of Christ, and we're able to be conformed more and more to his image. And in 127, he celebrates that reality being Christ in us. So friends, the cosmic scope of conflict during this season through the, different, the doorway of our own heart, of our own conflict in our own life, I hope that you see the promise and the opportunity that this gentle word that God gives us, it turns away wrath. He comes not to condemn, but to forgive. He comes not to kill, but to give life and life abundantly. Jesus came to experience disconnection from the Father so that you can experience reconciliation vertically and horizontally so that you can be secure enough in his love to deal with the issue behind the issue as you know that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the image of God among us, the gentle answer that invites us into renewed humanity. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your work. And I pray for your spirit. Lord, where my word has deviated from yours, would they be struck down and forgotten? Where my words were in line with your words and your work, we pray that your spirit would bear a harvest of righteousness. Lord, I know that there are intense needs of reconciliation, of forgiveness, uh, Lord, both vertically with you and horizontally with others. I pray, Father, that you would give freedom and that your spirit would apply the reality of Christmas the image of God, fully God, to be atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we can make peace by the blood of your cross. Lord, we love you and we thank you and pray that you would restore us more and more into your image, that we might live more fully and faithfully for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. All God's people said, amen.